back to USHJA On Course. I'm Teresa, and this month we are celebrating all things hunters with an episode featuring one of USHJA's latest champions, Jeffrey Hesslink. This month's guest is helping us celebrate Hunter Month, the second of four months that highlight everything USHJA has to offer its members from education to equitation. Follow along on social media with the hashtag WeAreUSHunterJumper so you don't miss a thing. Then join us on Instagram on Friday, April 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time as Bethany Lee of My Equestrian Style hosts Amanda Steege and Augusta Iwasaki to answer your questions live. You just might win a special prize from one of our sponsors. And be sure to also listen to the Equestrian Podcast to learn more about these two top hunter riders. Now for our guest. Jeffrey Hessling just added another big win to his list of accomplishments in the hunter ring when he won this year's $100,000 WCHR Peter Weatherall Palm Beach Hunter Spectacular. As a young professional, he has brought clients to great success in all three rings alongside his partner Brendan Williams and their co-founded Hesslink Williams LLC. Listen in as we discuss where he got his start, how he battles his show ring nerves, and what this WCHR win means to him. Hi. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to hop on. Of course. So I just want to start off. I want to rewind to before you were riding numerous horses to WEF circuit championships. How did you first get started in the sport? Um, I started at a very local level. I was born and raised in Shelburne, Vermont, which is, in my opinion, not the most equine connected state, let's say. Um, So I started on a very local level with... uh, a local trainer and bought my first pony from Don Stewart and Bibby Farmer Hill. Um, And from there I grew to train and ride with Don for a number of years. And then uh, that's sort of how I got into this level of competition. You've kind of stepped foot in all of the rings, but you mainly focus on hunters. Now, what was it about hunters that that really hooked you? Um, You know, when I was little and riding, I think with Don specifically, there were, multiple opportunities in the hunter ring. And that's just sort of what I always had. And, and, you know, I think by proxy of having so many opportunities, there was uh, at some point along the way, I seem to have gotten good at it. So that was sort of um, from a young age, uh, what I was doing. And I also, I have a real respect for the hunters. I think it is an art form. I think there's so much beauty and so much effort that goes into making what makes good hunters, good hunters that people don't really understand. And that's something I'm quite passionate about. How do you think, you know, dabbling in those other rings and obviously you were active as a junior, how do you think that has all kind of contributed to where you stand in the hunters now? I think equitation is one of, if not the best way to have a good foundation of riding. I mean, correct position, discipline, track, pace, all those general, you know, ideas that go along with equitation. I think every good rider has an understanding of them. However, you get that way. I do think the equitation is a good and fast way to learn all of those things. So uh, when I was a junior, I was mainly equitation based. So that was, I think I have that to thank um, for a lot of my basic skill set, um, riding with Don and then late in my later years, Andre Dignelli and Heritage Farm, um, they did nothing, but you know, that's all you do. You eat, breathe and sleep, um, correct riding, which I think is 
is the forefront of it. Um, and I think that by having that foundation and transferring it into good style in the hunters, I think it was really easy for me to do that. Um, I think it was just a really natural t- transition. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you, you mentioned Don and Andre, yeah. who do you think has been the biggest inspiration so far in your journey through the sport? Um, you know, obviously I have, uh, I have to thank Don and Bibby for all they did when I was little. Um, I didn't really understand how big or how far I wanted to go in the sport, but I do have to thank Andre specifically for, I think seeing something in me and believing in me like no one else did, um, and bringing out, I think the best in my riding. Um, and then also teaching me, I really see him as a mentor and, someone who I really see as a role model. I think he, the way he conducts himself and the way he runs his business and his practice, I think is, you know, top level. And I think that's something that I try to replicate now in my professional career. So speaking of professional, what made you want to go pro? That's obviously after someone's junior year is a, a difficult decision that I think a lot of riders encounter. What helped you make that decision? In my later years, and doing the equitation and being around it and being in a program I thought brought out the best in me. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew it was what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I fit in or what role I had, but I knew it was what I wanted to do professionally and for the rest of my life. So I did get a few offers, you know, I can't write NCAA because I'm a male, but I did get a few offers from an IHSA league, a full ride to college to ride and represent their team. And I thought about it for a long time, but I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I'd be going to school to learn something that I'm not actually in, uh, Mm -hmm. or at least that's what I wanted to do. So those four years, I just didn't see the point in being not in the industry I wanted to be in. I thought being in it and making connections and being present in where and who I wanted to be surrounded by was much more important than taking myself out of it. Um, So that was how I came to my decision of not going to school. How has your journey and experience through being a pro these past few years, how, how has that grown and developed? It's grown quite rapidly, which I am so lucky and thankful for. Um, you know, I started younger, I think just because I didn't go to school, I, I was quite younger than a lot of my peers. Um, but I was so lucky to have a few people believe in me and see something in me and support me in a way that I didn't think I would get that easily. Um, you know, I helped people like Lindsay Maxwell, the Hellman family, and then the Swanee family really helped kind of jumpstart my career. I think in terms of getting top level horses, top results, going to the best shows. And, you know, I think that was the way I sort of uh, dived into it. I know on social, you talk a lot about your team. So tell me a little more about that important group of people that kind of help you in your day to day. I couldn't do any of this without the people surrounding me. And that's, there's just too many to list, but like I was just saying the families who own the horses and and own horses for me and ride with me are the number one. I think that the trust that they have in me and, and the belief in what I try to do for them and their families and their horses are, are second to none. And I'm so lucky that they do what they do. And then second to that, you know, the managers, my managers, my grooms, my vets, my farriers, all those people, I just have learned throughout this 
you know, this few years that I've been doing this, I just think that those people go so much unsaid, but they are so vital to the success and that people don't understand that without good veterinary care, you know, the correct shoeing, I don't think my horses would be able to perform their best or at the top level. And I think that in order to be at the top level, you need all of those things to help your horses to bring out the best in your horses. That's what we're really trying to do. So I know you just wrapped up a busy winter circuit and a long one at that, (laughs) but what does a typical day look like for you when you're not at a show? When we're not at a show, um, I do try to balance, you know, my life a little bit. I like to see friends. I like to see family and go to places outside the barn. Um, but that being said, I would generally be at the barn for a few hours and I would ride between six and 10 horses. Um, you know, and that's not drilling them. I think that when we're not showing, I really try to let the horses have a break and, and recover physically, mentally, um, trail rides, hacks, you know, those sorts of things I try to incorporate into our schedule when we're not showing. What are a few things you kind of do every day to set yourself up for success through the day and even set yourself up, you know, with that work-life balance? Uh, That's a good question. I am a very routine plan-oriented person. So uh, consistency in my plan, the horse's plan, that sort of thing, I think is important for just, I think, across the board. I try to stick to a schedule and that schedule does include time away from the horses for me. You know, this year we were able to take a few little breaks and uh, I was able to go skiing for a week and that sort of thing I think is important for like everybody. And I really rejuvenated me and made me feel more motivated than I was before. Um, which I think is hard because yeah, it, it seems like every, every time you, you think there's another championship, there's another important show, there's another, there's something to look forward to in the future that you're working towards. There's never really a chance where you or the horses can, you know, relax and say, Hey, we have like a month off. Um, so I think it's important, uh, to find time for both the horses and the people to kind of rejuvenate themselves. If you have any riders that are looking up to you, be it from, you know, the corners of Vermont or not, what is some advice you would give them to kind of get to where you are in the sport? You know, I think the easy answer is hard work. I feel like I was a working student from as long as I can remember and just working hard and really being dedicated to it. If this is what you want to do um, and also making connections, um, you know, I was lucky enough along the way to meet some very nice people that were willing to put their money on me. And I was very grateful for that. Um, <clears throat> and also in hand with that, no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to hand it to you. No one's going to say, Hey, this is how you make your own business and you buy your own horses. And you, you know, there was a few scary steps along the way that there isn't a handbook for that. It was just sort of like, well, I hope this works out. But at the same time, taking those chances uh, was the best thing I ever did. And once I did them or took them, I wish I had done them years earlier. Um, I think that a lot of people are okay in the, the same kind of normal routine or not, you know, don't believe in themselves fully. And I think that it's important to have that confidence. Like I'm going to do this. Is there anything that if you could go back and change it that you would, you know, honestly, no, I, I have 
been so lucky my whole career. Like I said, I, I really am so lucky and fortunate. Um, I did have an injury um, a few years ago, which for sure was hard for me, not only physically, but mentally. So if I had to change one thing, I might want to say, maybe I would have, <laughs> I wish I didn't break my leg. <laughs> How did you overcome that mentally? You know, injuries are nothing new in our sport, even for, you know, the pros who know totally what they're doing. How do you overcome something like that? You know, like you said, I think it's so easy when that happens for me specifically, it was right before the indoor season. And I had a few horses that year that I was quite excited to show at the national championships. And, you know, I really was excited to see what they could do. And so I was completely devastated, um, by the timing of it. Um, and just the overall situation is not great. I had to have a number of surgeries, uh, to reconstruct the leg and it was a hard mental road for me. And I think I had, I got a phone call from Kent Farrington who obviously had a similar injury uh, to his leg. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you make it. This is, if you make it dramatic and you make it hard on you mentally, it will be. And if you choose not to, it won't be. And that coming from someone of his caliber and hearing it from him was the wake up call I needed. And from that moment forward, I did everything in my power to physically, spiritually, and mentally make this go as quick and seamless as possible and not get frustrated with the steps leading up to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and that advice, some of the best advice I've ever received, um, you know, I think you're stronger mentally than you think you are. And I wasn't. And then hearing that, it really kind of woke me up. is proud to support the United States Hunter Jumper Association as the official forage. To keep your horse at peak health and performance throughout the year, Stan Lee delivers nutrition through premium, sun-cured Western forage. Journey Beyond the Barn with Stan Lee. The Beyond the Barn podcast with co-hosts Dr. Tanya Cubitt and Katie Starr features industry-recognized experts to answer common nutrition myths and share more information on quality forage for your animals. Listen to new episodes every other Tuesday. Subscribe to Beyond the Barn today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're pretty fresh coming off a week six WCHR spectacular win. So I want to kind of get into why the WCHR program is so important to you. That night during the press conference, you kind of made a comment about seeing Luis Sirio win years ago when you were younger. But I want to know, like, what about WCHR feels so special to you? WCHR has been a big focus and goal of mine since I was little. I remember when I used to go to Capital Challenge as a kid and see, I just, the ribbons, I have have vivid memories of the ribbons with the big rose center and just saying like, I want to win those someday. And I didn't, I didn't understand how it worked or any of it. And through the years of competing as a junior I didn't really get the opportunities in that, you know, those championships that I wanted, but as a professional, I've made it my focus and a big goal of mine to qualify, um, for, you know, me, myself, my students to all qualify for the national championships, the challenge classes at capital challenge. Um, and I just think WCHR has so much to offer 
it's in my opinion, the biggest wins for hunters, the biggest, the most important things for hunters. And I think that Mm -hmm. it is so special that that's a program that, you know, allows the riders, horses, owners, and trainers to get recognition. I think it's just so cool. So now as a professional, I make the regional and national standings and awards a goal for all of my students and myself. And we always look forward to Capital Challenge where, you know, anything can happen there. But um, I just like to feel like set up and that everyone's qualified for their respective divisions there. So how does it feel to, you know, be competing in and having these clients qualifying for these events that you had dreamed about as a kid? It's it's really surreal. Like I said, um, like I said in that press conference, I watched Louise Sirio win that class a number of years ago. And I watched Scott Stewart and John French and the more famous hunter riders win the, you know, the pro ride-off class and the the challenge classes there. And that's, that was just, I just always said, I was like, I want to win those one day. I want to be in those one day. So it is beyond gratifying to be able to be competing in them, let alone feeling like I have a chance on the horses I have. So it's, it's really special. It's been a few weeks since that round, but like, what do you think made that ride stand out that night for you to grab the win? You know, this year specifically, I said also in the press conference, I wasn't as nervous. I am a very nervous rider by nature when it comes to important events or things that I really care about. And that night specifically, I remember I wasn't that nervous, which was an odd feeling for me and something I'm not used to. The previous year, I had two phenomenal horses in the class, Trademark and Bond. And I had some bad luck with Trademark. He had a rail and Bond finished third. But I just remember that from that year before, I was just, I felt like I was going to throw up like the whole night. Like I was the whole day, I was just like, not dreading it, but just this feeling of ang- anxiousness and, and, and excitement for the whole process. I also, mm-hmm. I think this year, the, this year, the only difference from in past years is I was the only one that qualified for my barn. I've always had students or, you know, friends, colleagues qualifying that I'm helping or training And, you know, last year I had seven horses qualify for the night class, which was a huge accomplishment in and of itself for me. But this year I was the only one competing on two horses. So I was able for sure to compete more with myself and focus on myself, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So you talked about nerves. How do you typically deal with that before you go into the show ring? Because for a lot of people, that's not uncommon. Well, like I said earlier, I think I am a very routine and plan oriented person. And I believe very strongly in my routine and my plan. I think that it's uh, what I've done for most of my professional and really most of my career, things that I've learned and just think work. Um, So I just try to do the plan, stick to the plan. The horse's schedule is the same. My schedule is the same. The preparation is the same. The organization leading up to that event is the same. And then I've done all I can do. The horse is going to be set up properly. I'm going to have done everything I can do. And that's sort of all I can do to feel like prepared for the class. And then whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. What is your next big goal? Well, in the near future, I am bringing some students as well as some horses for myself to Devon this year, which obviously we haven't been able to have with COVID for the last few years. So I'm very excited to go back there and feel like I have a string of horses to compete as a professional, um, as well as my kids, hopefully getting some tricolors there as well. Um, and then long-term, you know, derby finals, the pro finals, a capital challenge for myself, 
um, are two that stick out to me as well as the other indoor finals. And the same, my students, uh, adult and junior to both be successful on their horses um, in all their respective divisions at all those shows also. How do you kind of go about separating your goals? Well, I am lucky enough to have horses that do both. I have some greener horses and some professional horses that do a job with me, whether that be first year, second year confirmation, and then also do a junior hunter or amateur owner job for their owners. And I think that, like I said, my program is something I believe strongly in. And I think those horses need that training and that experience exposure with me in order to go their best with someone less experienced or not a professional. So I am lucky enough to have a number of horses that do both jobs. However, there are a lot in my program that I don't show anymore because they are older, they're seasoned, and I think that they honestly do better with their kids. So I think that, um, you know, it's a horse by horse basis. And I try to separate each horse and understand them each individually uh, to make that decision. We ask it to everyone who's on the podcast. (laughs) Why horses? I just think horses are the most beautiful, incredible creatures. And I think what we're able to do on them is just unbelievable. I mean, I don't really think there's any other animals in the world that would allow us to do so many different disciplines and um, activities with them like we do. And I think that what we've made this sport into is just um, incredible. So I just, I'm so lucky that I get to have horses and especially horses that can do this um, at a high level. Mm -hmm. You made a good choice all those years back in Vermont. I did. (laughs) The next part we call the victory gallop. It's a series of rapid fire questions just for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Bay gray or chestnut chestnut. What are two things you can't get through a day at the barn without feeding my horses treats and my cell phone, I guess. <laughs> uh, do you have a hidden talent? No, I don't. Riding horses, <laughs> I guess, is my hidden talent. If you weren't in the horse world, what would you be doing? Um, when I was younger, I was quite artistic. Um, I went to art school for a number of years. So I would like to think I would be in some sort of um, art form, whether that be a painter or a sketch artist or something like that. What is the last show or movie you watched? I just finished The Dropout. It was very good. What is the most used app on your phone? I think in probably Instagram or TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Social media always. Describe your dream horse in three words. Scopy, brave, and honest. Well, that is all I have for you. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. joining me on another episode of ushja on course subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and be sure to follow us on social for all of our updates